DJ PK, it's 97.5 and 12.80 The Zone. Time for a little football. We got Ben Bolts, UCLA B-Rider for the LA Times, coming up at 9.30, but we got an open segment here to talk football and talk about the games this weekend. What is on the table? We were just discussing, PK, about our relative faith in the local teams winning, and we can run this past Ben. Uh, whatever we think of the Utah-UCLA game, we might think differently after we hear if uh, DTR is going to quarterback them or not. I think he is, yeah. You think he'll play but be limited? I don't know about his limitations. I'll have to see that. And he may be, view himself as healthy and then get hurt during the game, too. Right. Uh, because obviously, for him to be effective, he has to run. There's no question about it. Now, he could get injured just as easily in the pocket or throwing a screen pass or whatever, but he has to run for him to be or the offense to be at its most effectiveness and for him to be at his most effectiveness. He simply has to run because he is a phenomenal athlete. I can argue he is the best athlete who plays quarterback in the conference. And I think most people who follow the conference would actually agree with that. So he must run. There's no question about that. So we'll see how the game progresses. Uh, I think there were, I can't remember if it was him or somebody from Arizona a couple years back. They tried to go with the starter, but it was obvious the starter just couldn't play. Maybe it might have been, maybe it was Khalil Tate, and I'm thinking Arizona, and they had to take him out. He gave it a shot, and it, it was just clear to everyone in the stadium that it wasn't going to work, so they made the adjustment. I'm not sure that could happen, but I guess that's a possibility. It's just that my thought in saying that I'm most comfortable between the BYU, Virginia, and Utah and the Bruins, I'm most comfortable going with the Utes. I think it's about knowledge, too. I mean, I've you, seen You know every, UCLA better yes. than you know Virginia. Yeah. Absolutely, yeah. No question about that, yeah. And I'm, a, I'm biased, too. I have a sort of a, I don't know if it's Homer biased or what, but, you know, I believe in Utah a little bit more. I've seen them bounce back. It seems like we have to go up five, six years before they, you can say, well, they didn't bounce back. So I'm expecting that. And maybe we just underestimated, underestimated Oregon State. And I think I normally don't play much of a factor in college venues, but I think with this young team and then last year playing between no fans, and I've got Nick Ford, who's on, joins us Monday. That's the one, and he, right? And he's a veteran. He's a guy who's been in the program for four or five years now, counting a red shirt. And he was saying it was an adjustment because he slid over to a new position, playing other positions along the offensive line, and then playing center this year. And the crowd got him going. He's gripping the ball hard. So he had a, a couple of uh, snap issues earlier in the season. All those things. And these kids uh, defensively, particularly and especially up front obviously with three freshmen they are on the young side and i think you have to catch a a little bit of a break so the reloading season that we thought last year maybe it's this year to a degree uh to a degree i think they definitely got something out of those five games but it's not a full season it's not a reloading season i mean 12 games would be a lot more experience than five and we talked about the crowd noise. And I think to any of us who are fans, you don't have to have played college football. You've been in a stadium. You know how loud it is. You've seen teams struggle with snap counts and jump off sides. But when Nick Ford, who is a veteran, when he talks about the crowd getting his adrenaline pumping and he grips the ball a little tighter and he snaps a little harder and it screws up the play. 
when he's talking about that and he's just got to he's just got to relax. He can't let the crowd get him all amped up. When a veteran is saying that in a new position, he's got a new role snapping the ball. Well, then what does that mean for a, a defensive back, you know, or, or what does that mean for a, a skill player on offense? It's it's going to be different. So I think that the fact that the Utes have struggled on the road, they're at home, so that gives you a little more confidence. The funny thing is, in their history in the Pac-12, the home road thing hasn't been that big a deal. It's been a little deal. The atmosphere up on the hill is fun, but there are also plenty of teams that have gone up into a sold-out atmosphere up there and found a way to win. So you can't get too hyped up on that. It's not that it has not been that outrageous of a home field advantage for them. No, and the one time you can is when they're young. And they've got a lot of first-year guys. I mean, last year there was no race. They weren't really playing for anything. It was well, they were out like of it, it was right practice. away. Yeah, yeah they and, and because right they play one game, their first game, and SC's already played two. I mean, that's yeah. never going to happen again in the history of college football. Hopefully not. Right. So all those things led to that. So this is what they got this year. And they're going to have to play better. Uh, and I think that they will. So I'm expecting them to win in... We'll see, you know. I can't guarantee it, but I just don't know enough about Virginia. How legitimate are they? They put up these big numbers, but who are they putting them up against? And, you know, I've seen Virginia play, and I try to watch them, uh, but I'm not locked down on them. Yeah, and they've been hard to watch this year because I've wanted to watch games several times. I thought, oh, that's a good time. It'll be free. And then it's on the ACC network, and I don't get the ACC network. Which I do get. Ah, you win. I don't get it. And they've played five or six games on there. Mm-hmm. So you I've see some it. highlights. There have been a couple games that have been available. Uh, to your point, they have played a lot of teams that are 3-4, and 4-3 four, four and three in the ACC. And, and I just think the history of this league, ACC and the Big East were basically the Mountain West Conference in a different part of the country. They had some nice teams, but they didn't have mega programs. And then they brought in Miami and Florida State as independents. And nobody really challenged those. Those two pretty much ruled their leagues. Now, they have since slipped. Clemson has grown. But the point is, this has never been a league that's been deep the way the Big Ten East is deep. Right? We were talking about this earlier this morning, this huge Michigan-Michigan State game. Both teams are 7-0. Both teams are 4-0. But they also have 6-1 Ohio State, who's 4-0. And they're playing Penn State. They got mega programs. And the ACC doesn't have that. So congrats to the Cavs for grinding out a couple of close games because everybody wants to be able to win close games. And they've won twice when the opposing teams miss a field goal right at the end. That's how they beat Miami. That's how they beat Louisville, 30-28, 34-33. I see those scores, and I think A-Rod has got enough options. They've got enough skill players at BYU. Now, I am curious because the O-line seems to be – a work, uh, a work in progress every week based on who's available and who isn't. Does someone else have to slide over for another position? But assuming the O-line holds it together, they've got enough skill players, and Virginia's given up enough points this year. I think that they're going to put together drives, keep the Virginia offense off the field, and then we had on a, Virgi- a writer who covers Virginia, and he's telling us Virginia doesn't have good backs. They, don't, they, they have to create a running game. That just suggests they're going to be dropping eight and clogging it up. I think it's going to be hard to throw the ball. I'm sure Virginia will get some points, but I don't think they're going to go out. They've scored 40-plus two weeks in a row. I don't think they're going to do it three weeks in a row. 
Well, so if it's BYU hard for them to, to throw the ball, then BYU is going to win easily. So BYU wins a 35-28 game, something like that? That's what That's I'm thinking. That's not easily. It's not easily. I, I don't think Virginia's terrible. But it just... If they can't throw the ball, BYU's going to win easily. Right. But they're going to throw the ball. The thing is, they can throw for 300 yards and you can beat them. It's if they throw for four or 50, then they're going to get you. I don't think BYU's going to... Nobody has stopped Virginia completely from throwing the ball. I don't think Virginia's going to leave here with 215 yards passing. Nobody does that to Virginia. They're too good. But 215 isn't going to be enough for them to win. They're going to give up some points. So how many yards are they going to throw for? <sighs> if it's 350 or less, BYU wins. Okay. Now they're averaging 404. They get above that, and, and they've had a, I'd have to go see who it was, but they had a 500-yard game against somebody. Oh, here it is. It was North Carolina, and they lost. They threw for 554, and they lost. So they're behind the whole game. They're throwing, and they lose 59 well, yeah, they gave up 59 59 points. 59 points. Jeez, of course they on. lost. So that defense, uh, consecutively, let's see, they've given up 59, 37, 28, 33. They did shut out Duke. Duke's terrible. And then they gave up 40. Well, yeah, but I'd, I'd have to look deep. I mean, how many times were those short fields? Was did, was anybody else, did they score? Did special teams score? I just don't look at raw numbers and draw conclusions. I've never done that. I know, but that's a lot of raw numbers. That's five of the last six games. Yeah, but how many special teams, how many fumbles were short fields? You have no idea. I don't. But now I'm going to look it up. And here we go. No, I'm not going to read those to you on the air. I think that they have a fair amount. I think they get 350. That doesn't mean they're going to win. But, I mean, they've been successful in that regard every single game. Why would they not be successful against these guys? But that doesn't mean they're going to win just by throwing the ball. I mean, there's, that's just only half of the game, obviously. Uh, I, mean, I never agree that it's split into thirds because I don't think that uh, special teams – they're just not on the field enough to count for 33%. They're important. I don't discount them. But, you know, I would drop that down maybe to the 20%. Kyle gave it 15 because he, he actually brought that up when he was asked if defense wins championships. Yeah. And he says special teams 15%. First right. off, there's a total number of snaps, and an extra point is pretty routine, so it doesn't have an impact. And Kyle has talked about how the kickoff return has basically been taken out of the game. We're, we're just seeing so many touchbacks. That's awfully routine as well it's hard to get an edge there that's why he was so horrified when the youths gave up two kickoff returns for a touchdown so that should just never happen i agree <laughs> yeah absolutely so i think that it's more about offense and defense and the reason why i'm i'm not so concerned about virginia's offense because i think they're going to have success so i've pretty much written that off as a given you know as long as they don't score 45 points offensively that that's going to be tough for BYU to overcome because BYU's not shown the ability to be high-powered in terms of putting up big numbers offensively and scoring anyway. And that's what matters the most. Well, you can have all the stats in the world, but if right. you don't have you the points, it's somewhat uh, empty as far as that goes, empty possessions. But I think that I, the thing that I believe the least between BYU and Virginia – I believe the least in all the components, I believe the least in Virginia's defense. Oh, even more than Virginia's run game, huh? 
Because I was bringing up defense yeah, earlier, and you're like, they Those don't are run numbers. the ball. Yeah. So why why would why worry about it if that's not? Which just like saying I believe I don't believe in Mike Leach's running the ball. Well, they don't do it. <laughs> if they tried to do it and it was an integral part and they failed, that would be another story. But I don't think they're trying that much. So there's really nothing to believe in there because they're not committed to it. it, it it's something that they use here and there, I guess. Just looking at the numbers. It's all about them moving the ball the other way. But Virginia's defense, statistically, they're just not very good. And you go through, and that kid, that the, the Jersey guy that we had on, we played it this morning. You know, I looked at his last piece that, they, that he wrote, and he had all these stats of uh, number of plays over 20 yards, number of plays over 30 yards that they've given up. And they just scream at you. They just jump off the computer as you're reading them, thinking, oh, my gosh, these guys, they're they're having stop trouble stopping their own shadows. So BYU, okay, I think, that's is going to have a field it. day. Up, oh, Superman just walked by. I'm sorry, I'm distracted. The Cape Crusader. That's Batman. Yeah, that's Superman. Sorry, he's got a cape. I don't know. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> sorry, I'm in a rock dealership just and Superman happened? just walked by. I lost my mind for a second with my superheroes. But that's the full-on. Now, now the, and the rest of the staff's looking up, and now gales of laughter. Superman's just walking through here. Okay, so I was just bringing up the point Virginia's defense isn't very good. You argued with me, and then three minutes later, you're saying Virginia's defense isn't very good. I said, why would I say Virginia's defense is good? At what point did I say that? I think you said, you don't up. know. I said they've given up all these points. You go, those are raw numbers. Their defense isn't good. That's two different things. You were just looking at raw numbers. I never said their defense was good. And you you were just stats, basing. And you knew the stats backed them up. I've since looked at the Georgia Tech game, and they're giving up, like, drives three plays, 75 yards. There's yes. the plays that the writer was just writing that's about. What, that, that's because that was the very game that he was writing about. Yep. So, yes, in that game they did. So, of the all the components of the game, the thing that I believe in least is, is their defense. Now, I'm not sure BYU's offense, though, is explosive because when have they been explosive? They've had a, I, a, a I moment or two. Nakua Puka is very explosive, uh, but you, you get, get him an opportunity to get him the ball six, seven times. Romney can be explosive if he's not hurt, but you know what's happened on the other end in order to get him the ball? All those things that I'm not sure about that I've well, I'm I'm pretty sure about that. I don't view BYU's offense as being explosive. I do I view them as being good enough to win ball games, but not blow folks out. They're not blowing anybody out, right? I mean, they didn't even right. blow out. Uh, uh, who was it? The South Florida? They, they really didn't blow them out. They 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 did what they needed to do. When there's something to be said for doing what you need to do. I mean, that's exactly what the Washington State game was last week. They did what they needed to do to win the game, and ultimately, who cares? That's good enough. We can't laugh and giggle at win by two, or win by nine, not by two. And we have laughed and giggled at that, and then get upset because somebody isn't blowing people out. Do enough to win the game. That's the goal to win the game, not to put up stats or to win by twenty. So that's why when I said 35-28 is the kind of score that I think, because you're right, I don't think BYU is set up to win some 45-42 game. And Virginia could be. The way they throw the ball, they've played some of those games. They're coming off a 48-40 game. But if it's 35-28, that doesn't seem outrageous. BYU's offense seems to score mid-20s to mid-30s, depending on what is needed and how the game is going. 
Yeah, okay. Yeah, absolutely. I can't argue with that at all. And maybe, maybe this is the game that they need to score 40, and they do. Yeah, maybe. We haven't seen it yet, but maybe it is the one. All right, coming up next, Utah and UCLA. Ben Bolch covers the Bruins. He is going to join us next. Plus, coming up next, we give away tickets to see Utah and UCLA. Tickets all day long here on The Zone. 30 minutes past every hour, we'll give away Ute and Bruin tickets next. Stay with us. DJ and PK, we're broadcasting live from Murdoch Hyundai in Murray, 4646 South State Street. They've got dealerships from Logan to Linden. They've got over 1,000 quality used vehicles, new vehicles. They are in short supply these days. We talked to Blake Murdoch about that last month when uh, he joined us when we were down at their store in Linden. They do, however, have some. They've got a 2022 Elantra. They've got a 2022 Sonata. And they got up to $1,000 of bonus cash on both those vehicles, the Elantra and the Sonata. Also, you can come in and reserve your brand-new 2022 Tucson Santa Cruz today. You can't just walk in and buy one, but you can come in and reserve one and get one down the line a little bit. Your 2022 Tucson or Santa Cruz. For over 95 years, Utah's trusted the Murdoch Auto Group with quality vehicles and great customer service. Come on into the store, 4646 South State Street. Between now and 10 o'clock, we got jazz t-shirts, jazz caps. Stop by, get your jazz gear. They're 4-0, getting ready to play the Bulls tomorrow night. See if they can go to 5-0. DJ and PK, it's 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. DJ and PK, it's 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. All right, Utah fans, here we go. We got tickets to see Utah and UCLA Tomorrow night, two tickets right now. Call 855-340-ZONE. 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 You can go to that Utah-UCLA game. Be caller 12 right now. we got tickets to this weekend's college games all day long, 30 minutes past every hour. Time right now to welcome in Ben Bolt. He is the UCLA beat writer for the Los Angeles Times. And he joins us. On the Smart Rain guest line, Utah will be in a drought next summer. Smart Rain knows that 2022 budget planning for most businesses is underway. Take advantage of their Save Now, Pay Later promotion and do your part by saving water while saving money. Check out Best of State Award winner Smart Rain at smartrain.net. Ben, good morning. Good morning. So I guess the number one question going into this Utah-UCLA game is, are the Bruins going to have their starting quarterback? And if he plays... How effective is he? What are the odds he can get through the game without getting hurt again? What do you think? Yeah, it's, it is the, it's the big question. You're absolutely right, and I don't have a definitive answer. Uh, you know, we're, we're only allowed to watch a limited part of practice uh, Monday through Wednesday. And the thing that did stand out to me was that Dorian made pretty huge strides uh, every, every day. I and mean, the first time we saw him, he didn't even try to throw a pass. On Tuesday, he threw one just to test it. And then on Wednesday, looked almost back to normal to me. I mean, he was firing 20, 30 yarders. And, uh, you know, I don't know how much it hurt each time he threw a pass, but I didn't see any, like, long breaks between passes or uh, couldn't really see his facial expressions. But he, he threw the ball pretty well. Um, but the two things that kind of, uh, you know, stood out as far as, well, maybe he won't play are that every time somebody tossed him a ball, he had to catch it with his offhand, uh, which to me indicates he still got some discomfort with his throwing hand. And then he didn't take snaps uh, with either the first or second string center. So uh, that to me indicated that at least in practice, he was not going to be, uh, you know, one of the top quarterbacks and what they were doing in drills. But, but a lot can change between Wednesday morning and game time, as we know. So uh, Dorian's a really gutty player. And if, he can, if there's any way he can play, I know he will. 
Now tell us about Ethan Garbers, the younger brother of the Cal quarterback, who is the backup quarterback. I know he's got credentials. What do you think he can do if he's called upon to play? Well, he's very highly recruited. UCLA tried to get him out of high school, and, and Washington won that battle. Uh, so they were thrilled to get him. He's, um, you know, I got challenged by Chip Kelly actually this week because I, you know, said I don't, I don't think that Ethan can be quite the runner that Dorian is. You have to change your game plan, and that but he basically was having none of that. Uh, he said, you know, look at Chase up at Cal. He's the all-time leading rusher for a quarterback, and the Garbers family is very athletic. Um, and so he says there's no drop-off in running the ball between Dorian and Ethan. So, um, you know, he's only gotten a few appearances. I think he's appeared in three games this season, mostly in mop-up duty, and then twice uh, very briefly when Dorian got hurt. So we haven't seen much out of him. Uh, he converted a big fourth down against Oregon and then telegraphed the, his last pass a little bit and it got picked off. But he's from watching him in, in, in the part of practice that we can see, he's got a very strong arm. Commanding presence, doesn't get rattled, uh, and that's all that's very impressive for a redshirt freshman. Well, it's interesting, and, and I'm curious when you when you challenge the coach or the coach challenges you over a statement, you know, they're, they're uh, PK and I have both been doing this a long time. There are a lot of coaches that we've made assumptions with, and some challenge us, and we think, well, they're just trying to win a PR battle. And others challenge us, and we think, wait a minute, what have we missed? We better go back and look. So I'm curious your, what you think with Chip Kelly, because what you say on the surface, it was actually going to be one of my questions here. I mean, Dorian Thompson-Robinson runs the ball basically one out of every five or six snaps, whether it's a design run or he scrambles out of a pass play. That's a big chunk of the offense right there. Yeah, I don't know that if Ethan is the guy, uh, I, I wouldn't expect, you know, a lot of design runs for him because obviously you want to protect him because then if you lose him, then you're really getting down the depth chart. The guy behind him is actually a walk-on, Chase Artopius, because the third-string quarterback, Chase Griffin, also appears to be hurt. He wasn't throwing passes this week. So I think they would they would design a game plan, uh, if, if it is Ethan Garbers, that he's going to be – primarily throwing the ball and not running unless he absolutely has to. Well, either way, I mean, they're going to run the ball. They've got two very good running backs. So I can see where Chip is thinking that at least overall the game plan doesn't change because basically they've got to run the ball successfully in order to win this game. Is that accurate? Absolutely. And they're coming off – the interesting thing is they're coming off a season-worst performance against Oregon. 110 rushing yards. I know that they'll be looking to get back on track in that department. I know that, you know, Oregon State obviously had some success running the ball against Utah, and I'm sure that Chip and the uh, other offensive coaches have developed that game film looking for, for ways that they can, uh, you know, try to poke some holes in this Utah defense. So, yeah, I think that regardless if it's uh, an injured Dorian starting or Ethan making his first career start, uh, running the ball effectively has got to be priority number one for UCLA's offense. So I look at the UCLA defense and uh, the Oregon game, 34-31 loss. Uh, a lot of us watched the Fresno game here. Fresno had the ability to just throw the ball down the field on two big drives at the end of the game to win 40-37. And we all watched the Arizona State game here because that was a huge game for the Utes watching those two play each other. That was 42-23. So in the losses, the defense has had their problems, had their issues, given up a lot of points. How do you think they perform against the Utes? 
Well, you know, they're going to need to stop the pass because, uh, you know, as we've seen, Cam Rising's a very effective passer and really has taken that offense to a new level. Um, and that's not been the strength of UCLA's defense is, is preventing that aspect of, of offense. So, um, you know, I don't, I don't know that there's any kind of magic pill that the secondary can swallow right now. I think they are kind of who they are. Uh, they have had some injuries. They've had to move some guys around. Um, but, you know, preventing the big play and, and being as stout as they have been against the run, that's, that's their one saving grace this year is that they have been pretty effective in stopping the run. Um, you know, if they can limit the damage to the air and then play their usual uh, sound run defense, I think that that could be a winning formula. Utah has a trio of very good tight ends, and Keithy is so effective, do a lot of different things. But when I look at this Bruin offense, I love their tight end, Dulcich. Could you tell us about this kid? Because to me, he looks like he's got NFL written all over him. Yeah, he, he really does. He's one of the best uh, pass-catching tight ends in the country. He's, um, you know, he was always fast. He, he added some, some pounds to become more physical. Uh, the one knock on him is that he's a little bit uh, struggles in the blocking aspect of, of being a tight end. Uh, you know, he got uh, beaten up by Thibodeau quite a, a bit uh, there the other last weekend. But, um, you know, I think that that was more of a design problem than just, you know, one-on-one uh, I think Chip, they, they may have put him in some bad spots there where they could have gotten some more help. But um, he's just a tremendous, tremendous player. And, and, and the fact that he was a walk-on um, who got put on scholarship a couple of years ago and now is one of the top tight ends in the country is just an amazing story that uh, nobody was on this guy earlier. And now, uh, you know, I could see him having a very long, productive NFL career. Ben Bolts joining us. He is the UCLA beat writer for the Los Angeles Times. UCLA at Utah Saturday night up on the hill. The Utes for years have been awesome on special teams. But this year, early in the year, they gave up a couple kickoff returns for touchdowns. Horrified Kyle Whittingham with that. And against Oregon State, they had two punts, block, two punts blocked. One of them on a technicality. Two guys were wearing the jersey number eight. Got wiped out by a penalty. Nonetheless, special teams had been an adventure, except for Britton Covey's punt returns. How good is UCLA on special teams? Can they take advantage of Utah? Yeah, Utah's going to have to be really weary on the uh, on its kicks because Casimir Allen uh, is one of the fastest players in college football. He's a state champion high school sprinter. Uh, in California, which is really saying something, because as you know, it's, this is a great state for speed. So he's capable of, of bringing one back. He almost did it against uh, Fresno State, got tripped up, uh, was was almost in the open field. Uh, and then uh, punt return, Kyle Phillips is, is, is exceptional as well, and he, he routinely breaks a couple uh, every season. So, uh, yeah, they're, they're going to have to really make an emphasis on that. Uh, special teams were kind of a... A problem for UCLA last week, though, because uh, you know they missed a, a contested field goal that Chip Kelly said afterward he thought actually was good, but it was called no good. And you know in a three-point game, that's pivotal. And then they had a punt uh, that the punter Luke Akers could not handle the snap and got clobbered, and Oregon took over at that point, and that was a, another big kind of pivotal moment in the game. So I think these are two teams kind of looking to steady themselves in that department and I think it's a great point that that you know we don't talk enough about special teams but I'm glad you brought it up because I think it could be a huge factor Saturday 
I think this year we can argue uh, very strongly that this team has made progress compared to prior years. So the arrow is pointing in the right direction, maybe a little slower than some folks would like in Westwood. But nevertheless, I think there is improvement being made. But I'm wondering how legit this team is because I've seen them play a number of games now. Uh, And, you know, I thought the Oregon game was representative. Obviously, they lost. But I was disappointed in their performance against Arizona State. Uh, I thought that, that they should have. I expected more out of them. So I'm trying to get a handle as far as just how good this team is. Yeah, it's hard to say, right, because, you know, even in those losses, they've kind of come out pretty strong. I mean, they, I think through the first quarter and a half, they were dominating Arizona State, and that game flipped. And then last week, they had a 14 nothing lead against Oregon, and you're like, oh, wow, you know, here we go. They're, they're finally putting it together again. Um, so, you know, carrying momentum forward has been a real challenge for this team. Um, you know, the, the thing that makes me scratch my head is that it's a very veteran team with 20 returning starters, including four uh, graduate transfers who are back for a second year, a super senior year, and yet they're still committing just mind kind of baffling mistakes. I mean, Quentin Lake, the safety, lined up offside two plays in a row, and one of them negated an interception. Um, and so, you know, when you have plays like that from veteran players, uh, it's, you have to wonder what's the root of this. Is it just, uh, you know, obviously it's not execution, but you would think that they would be at that point in their careers not making those types of errors. So it's a hard team to figure out. You know, they started so strong. They beat LSU. Everybody said, oh, the Bruins are back. Next week they fall flat, um, you know, against Fresno. And at any time it looks like they're ready to take off, uh, they have a bad loss, but then on the flip side, when you write them off, then they, they come back and win. Uh, and they also, I should note, are 3-0 on the road this season, which is important to note going into this game. So it's really, really uh, not knowing what to make of this team from one week to the next, which makes for a really kind of uh, tough viewing if you're a fan. Well, with that as the background, then the next question is going to be impossible. We were discussing earlier in the show, can anybody run the table here? And we don't think either Utah or ASU can run the table and get to 8-1. If UCLA beats Utah, we assume they'll beat Colorado. Now they're 5-2. and two. Could they run the table and get to 7-2? and two? Or do you think that's just too big an ask for the Bruins? I would normally say that there's no way, but, I mean, after this week, their schedule just gets – so easy. I mean, Colorado, you know, as we all know, is really is struggles to score. I don't think there's any way they can keep up with UCLA. It's is a historically bad USC team. It's already lost three games at home, and that game is at the Coliseum, which means that that edge that they normally have at home is seem to be there this year on a rivalry game. Uh, and then they got Cal, which is I think two and five right now. So. Um, you know, obviously there will be some drama in those games. There'll be some surprises, but you got to think that if if UCLA can somehow beat Utah on Saturday, it sets up very nicely for them to go, as you said, seven and two. And I, I wouldn't take that off the table. I think that that would would absolutely be a, a strong possibility. Well, Ben, we appreciate a few minutes. Thanks a lot. Enjoy the game, and thanks for coming on the air with us. All right, anytime. Thanks so much, Ben Bolch. Covers the UCLA Bruins for the Los Angeles Times. All right, DJ and PK, it's 97.5 and 12.80 The Zone. We are brought to you in part 
by Lee's Heating and Air. Lee's Heating and Air, home to the award-winning line of American Standard Furnaces and Air Conditioners. Call Lee's now for their $59 furnace tune-up special. Or visit them online at leesheatac.com. DJ and PK, your feedback coming up next. Stay with us. And it's all over almost here. Don't go nowhere. This is Hanson Scotty. Let's do it. How broken is the Pac-12? Is it broken or is it just bent right now? I think it's bent. It's got a problem where you just can't get somebody to elevate. Look like it was going to be Oregon. It's not. Look like at times it could be Utah. It's not. If the season ended right now, there isn't a single Pac-12 team I would make an argument for to put them into the college football playoffs. Like, I love watching Pac-12 games because you never know what's going to happen and games go down to the wire and it's entertaining. But boy, is it bad for business in terms of George Kolofkoff in the conference office going, oh my gosh, we're going to screw ourselves out of another opportunity in the college football playoff. What kind of a show is this? Catch Hans Olsen and Scotty G every day from noon to 3 on 97.5, 1280 The Zone. Powered by kslsports.com. Gentlemen, Judgment Day is finally upon us. Bronco will get his tomorrow night and Lavelle Edwards. Kalani will be pounding his chest and dancing all up and down the sideline while we beat Bronco by 75 points. Oh, my 75. Come on, man. Come on. Come on. <laughs> it does seem like Kalani's getting more fired up on the sideline. Now, part of that could be, you know, the camera finds him, and now the camera knows to find him. So maybe we're just seeing it more. Certainly, I think we can all recall him dancing late in the game at Navy a year ago. Uh, but, man, they got him with the full-on sprint down the field at Baylor. That was a good moment. Well, I think the cameras are always on the coaches, and they know he's uh... – an exuberant sideline coach. Mm-hmm. He he does. It's strategic, but yet it's also spontaneous. He has that rare combination of being able to know this is something that my kids like, but at the same time, it's well within his personality to do it. If you saw Bronco high stepping down the sideline, yeah, <laughs> you'd go nuts. Oh, Although, Bron- yeah, Bronco at Boise State. Remember the fourth down stop and. <laughs> He's Best goal around. line stance in the history yeah. of college football. If yeah. you go back to when they beat Virginia Tech a couple years back, he was very animated mm-hmm. at the end of that game at when coaching Virginia because it was the I don't remember the streak, but it was a, a many many years that they had not they had lost to Virginia Tech. So it's a rare occasion. It's a little more frequent with Kalani, but it's true to who he is. Are Ute fans in the unusual position of having to root for Bronco Mendenhall this week? And Ute Daddy tweets at us, don't drag us into this. <laughs> oh, Paul, you're already into it. I love that response. Uh, this is BYU on BYU Crime. Leave us out of it. No, this matters because that's part of the rivalry, man. You want to win, you want your team to lose. The, the other team to lose, obviously. Nothing wrong with that. Uh... Let's see what else we got here. We've got uh, we got Andrew sends us one from uh, the fugitive, and uh, Harrison Ford is about to jump out of the drain pipe. And I don't care. <laughs> yes, Tommy Lee Jones with the hands up, <laughs> leaning back. I didn't kill my wife. I don't care. Very well done scene. Which was BS. He did care. That's he why he was care. there. Right. <laughs> Are you fans in the unusual position of having to root for Bronco Mendenhall? Uh, Ute Bud 2 says, Who is this Bronco you speak of? The only Mendenhall I know of is the one named Roscoe. 
Uh, the old Roscoe. Yeah. Andrew, though, why the hell do we care, David? <laughs> because you do. Because they're the Cougars and you don't like Bronco. Well, if you didn't care, why would you respond? Well, there is that logic, sure. Uh, let's see, other stuff here. Um, a lot of people are into the irony here is rich. Bronco coming back. Are you, you fans in the usual position of having a root for Bronco? And Project Mayhem says, must be a slow click day. You must have a look at me, look at me complex. You know you could post useful questions. You fans, are you cheering for BYU this weekend? Or are you indifferent? Also, did you know they're playing Bronco and his team, Virginia? You don't have to be a clown, DJ. And Jaden says, the irony here is rich. <laughs> ah, Go, I get it. Going right back at him. Yeah. Uh, all right, the numbers... Uh, not, not changing a lot here. People are pretty consistent as far as who's going to win this weekend. 90% of the uh, votes coming in for the Aggies in Hawaii are going to the Aggies. Kalani and the Cougars, 61.5%. And the Utes sitting right about the same number. So we'll see if we get the sweep, PK. They're all at home, and they're all favored, although slightly. I think there's a good chance, yeah. I, I was right last week with the 2-1. and one. I just had the wrong ones. Oh, because you thought Utah was going to win and BYU was going to lose. Correct. You got the Utah State game right. Yeah. All right, DJ and PK, what was I last week? Oh, I was right. I was 3-0 last week. I can't really take that deep a bow, though. There wasn't that much conviction behind the two games, the two games you missed, which is pretty much where we sit this week. I feel like Utah and BYU are win, but neither one of them feel like slam dunks. Either one could go the wrong way. I would be really surprised. I think it would be a very disappointing loss for the Aggies if they lost. I think they're much better than Hawaii. Agreed. How to handle them at home. All right, DJ and PK, it's 97.5 at 1280 The Zone. Jacob Ben are coming up next. Right here on 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. Thanks to the folks here at Murdoch Hyundai in Murray for having us out. They've got over 1,000 quality used vehicles at the Murdoch dealerships from Logan to Linden. They've got 2022 Elantras and Sonatas with up to $1,000 in bonus cash. And you can also come in and reserve your brand-new 2022 Tucson or Santa Cruz today. For over 95 years, Utah has trusted the Murdoch Auto Group with quality vehicles and great customer service. Visit them right here, 4646 South State Street in Murray. PK, watch a lot of football, and we will talk on Monday. And some jazz basketball, too, of course. DJ PK, it's 97.5 at 1280 The Zone.